Take your Bible this morning and find the book of Ecclesiastes. I'll give you a minute. Right over there before you get the Song of Solomon. I'll give you another minute, okay? So find Ecclesiastes. Go to the end, to chapter 12. The word Ecclesiastes in the Hebrew uh, is the word Koheleth. Starts with a Q, the Koheleth. The Koheleth was the one who called the assembly together. The Koheleth was oftentimes called the preacher. He was the one that would draw the assembly together like we are together here today, getting a group together, the Koheleth, Ecclesiastes, and the truth would come forth from that. Well, as we come to the end of Ecclesiastes, I want you to hear from the Koheleth this morning in a message that I've entitled, In Conclusion, on this last day or this last Sunday of 2021, another year that we are glad to say goodbye to, and looking for good and better things, but we know not yet what will come as we walk into 2022. But we come to the conclusion of our gathering times as a church on this last Lord's Day of this year. So I want to challenge us uh, that we would finish strong, finish strong. There are five days to go after today until you get to the end of this calendar year. And the Koheleth, we believe, was Solomon. We're not certain, uh, but it does say he's the son of David as he begins the uh, writing of Ecclesiastes, and we uh, come to hear what this man of wisdom has to say. So you've got your Bible at Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I'll begin reading in verse number 9 and read through verse 14 at the end of the Koheleth. In addition to being a wise man, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, and he pondered stretched out and arranged many proverbs. Sounds like he's long-winded, doesn't he? Stretched it out, a lot of verses. The preacher sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. The words of wise men are like goads, and masters of these collections are well-driven nails. They are given by one shepherd. But beyond this, my son, be warned. The writing of many books is endless, and excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. The conclusion, when all has been heard, you've read every book, thought about everything a man could say, the conclusion has been heard is this, fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or whether it is evil. You can run, but you cannot hide. For God will bring it all to light at judgment 
day. If you've been done wrong, it'll be brought to light. If you're hiding, trying to appear to be something that you really are not, it'll be brought to light at judgment. The bottom line for us is this, out of the words of the Koheleth today, two, two simple things to think on. Number one, fear God. Number two, obey God. Fear God, obey God. That's what he says is the conclusion of the matter that we come to fear the Lord and that we obey the Lord our God. So let's look at these two things this morning. For just a few moments, we'll give God's invitation. I'm going to ask some of you to get up out of your seat. Come and say yes to Jesus this day. That young boy we baptized uh, last today uh, came at midnight just as Christmas morning was breaking. He was in that late night service and came to me out front and said, Pastor, I, I need this today. I need to come, recommit my life, be baptized under the Lord. He came and said, I'm ready. Then came back today uh, to be baptized. He didn't want to just fear God. He wanted to obey God. And so he took that step, he and his family, uh, coming together this day. Glory, what a good day when you obey the Lord. Let's look together. What does it mean, first of all, to fear God? Fear sounds like a, not a good word. Should you really fear God? Well, you shouldn't be scared of God like you are when you hit the brake, when you see the Florida trooper over the hill. You're scared you're about to be pulled over. You're not scared like you are somebody at night that sneaks up on you and you say, oh, I didn't know that was coming. But this word fear has as its root reverence, awe, which the root there is that he is awesome that we bow before God in reverential fear because he is the awesome one. Uh, come in awe of God today. Glory unto his blessed name. Now, notice that uh, the writer here, the Koheleth, says that he stretched out in verse 9 and he arranged many proverbs. Well, I want to run to seven proverbs this morning that talk about the fear of God. How do we fear God? What does the fear of God do when we really come to the place that we bow before him, that we love him, that we're in awe of the Lord our God? So I want to show you seven uh, verses from uh, the book of Proverbs this morning, and you'll see them there. You may want to jot these down and, and look together. First of all, in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 7, the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. But if you fear God, you found the beginning of what you need to know. So come to fear God, and there knowledge begins. In chapter 9 and verse number 10, you find in the Proverbs this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of Wisdom. There's a difference in knowing and being wise and knowing how to apply knowledge. Uh, the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This wisdom comes when you fear Holy God. 
Chapter 10 and verse 27, the proverb writer says, the fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. You say, preacher, you mean if I love God, I'm going to live a long time? It says it prolongs life. Do you know some people can live more in a few years than others can live in many? This is no hollow promise that you're going to live to be a hundred. You pray and you don't live to be a hundred. Amen. But the longevity of life, that life is packed full, comes out of the reverential awe of God. Chapter 14 and verse number 27. Uh, look at what the Proverbs uh, writer says. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. The one, uh, the one may avoid the snares of death. That, that life comes. When you fear God, there is a fountain that you come to, and it's full not of death, but of life. Chapter 15 and verse 33, the writer of Proverbs says this, the fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom, and before honor comes humility. This instruction, he will show you what you should do, where you should go. I spoke with a young lady yesterday. Uh, she's uh, leaving here and going uh, to Europe and uh, going to be going, new job, a new format, and uh, she's excited because she believes God's led her to take that step. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is the fountain of life for us. Uh, then uh, we come to chapter 19 and verse 23, uh, where we find these words. The fear of the Lord leads to life, so that one may sleep satisfied. You have any trouble sleeping lately? Hmm. The fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. If you're lying awake at night worrying and worrying and worrying and worrying, cast your care over on the Lord. Fear God and watch sleep comes. He leads to life and leads to sleep. And then in chapter 22 and verse number four, the writer of Proverbs says, the seventh one, the reward of humility and the fear of the Lord, he rewards it with riches, honor, and life. You need to fear the Lord. One of the greatest illustrations of fearing God that I find anywhere in all of the Word of God is in the book of Exodus. You remember Pharaoh had said, kill all of the male children. Two years and under, he told those birthing women the midwives, when that baby comes, that, that that baby is to die. But the midwives wouldn't do it. And Pharaoh's henchmen came to him and said, well, why are you not obeying? They said, these Hebrew women are so strong, they give birth before we can get here. But the Bible says in, Hebrew, in Exodus chapter 1 and verse 21, the reason the midwives took this action of not killing the children is that the midwives feared the Lord. They feared the Lord more than they feared Pharaoh. They feared the Lord more than the henchmen of Pharaoh. They put him first in their lives, fearing God above I want to ask you this morning, if you are 50 years of age to 75 years of age, 
If you're between 50 and 75, I want to ask you to stand for just a moment. Would you do that? All of you folks, 50 to 75. Wow. Go ahead and help him up. That's good. All right, now listen to me. You're the baby boomers. It's my crowd. I want you to hear you, Pastor, for a moment. I've buried a lot of your parents lately. Our demographic is grappling with something we've never grappled with before. You've said to yourself, you've really never thought about it before. I am going to die. The boomers are looking at death in a different light than we've ever looked at. Why? Because we've been to the graveyard so much. And it's mother and it's father. Yesterday was Christmas. It was the first time in my life I did not have my mother or my father at my table. Dad is in heaven. Mother could not come. I wept on Christmas. It was a first. Oh, last year was a little different because of COVID, but this year it was empty. And I looked up and I sat up and I thought about doing this today. I just stuck this in my sermon. Because, dear friends, we must fear God more than we fear death. We've got to fear God more than we fear living. Some of you scared you're going to outlive your money. You have to be scared of that because they tell it to you every time you turn on the news in the afternoon. They're a bunch of liars. They just want your money. The torch is passing to us. Fear God above all. You're the largest generation of adults the world has ever known, this nation's ever known. If we will fear God, we can see revival come. We can see it. But we must learn to fear God more than we do money or economy or family. I sat with her yesterday. My family was there. We made pictures. And I said, Mother, we had great Christmas Eve. I said, let me show you a picture. And I went to my phone to show a picture of our Christmas Eve service, and I couldn't find it, so I went to the Olive Facebook page, and I couldn't find it. And I went to media, and I hit it, and nine pictures came up. And one of them was a picture of me and my father. 
I didn't even know she knew how to do it. She immediately touched that picture. I looked at her like, when did you learn to use an iPhone? <laughs> and when she saw Daddy, she got real close and stared. And I said, we sure miss him, don't we? And she said, we sure do. We sure do. And we made a family circle, and we all held hands, and we prayed for mother, and prayed that we would learn to fear God. Boomers, boomers, listen to me. All these folks sitting down are either so old they can't get up, or they're so young they need your guidance. <laughs> Classify yourself. <laughs> there is a generation in front of us. Thank God for them. And there's a generation behind us. we got to raise up and teach them. Fear God. Fear God. Fear God. And bow and show them the blessed Savior. And sing my favorite song. I'd rather have Jesus as silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus as men's applause. Rather have Jesus. Amen. Father, for these standing today, touch them, encourage them. God, make them a mighty army of those that fear the Father, that fall in awe of you. And I pray your blessing on them as they would finish strong this year and go forth by grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and be seated. I encourage you, fear God. What does it mean to fear God? Your, your life must be God-centered, God-dominated, and God-intoxicated. Be God-centered. That's your focus. Be God-dominated. Make Him Lord. Be God-intoxicated. Be filled with the Holy Ghost of God. A young youth minister from central Alabama called me. Five days ago, he said, Pastor, I asked a friend of yours to give me your number. I hope you don't mind. I said, I'll deal with him later. <laughs> he said, I have a request. He said, he told me that you are one that lived through the great Jesus revival of the 60s and 70s. I said, I am. He said, I am challenging our teenagers the first of the year. Would you make a three-minute video and send it to me about how that revival came and what the fruit of it was? And I said, yes, I will. And I enumerated. He said, what would you say just off the top of your head? I said, number one, the lordship of Jesus was preached with might and power. It's not just he's the Savior. He's Lord. Lord of all or not Lord at all. There was lordship that was preached. There was pick up the cross and serve him. It was getting serious. But I said, hear me. Here is one thing you must share with your church, and I will share with mine. I said, there was a generation. There was a generation of older people, my parents at that time, who said we don't really care for all of the stuff they're doing, but we see God at work, and they welcome those hippies into the church. I said, you must have a senior adult generation that is flexible enough to say, we will give up. We will give up 
what we might desire so that we can put our hands around what God is doing. And I said, if your older folks won't flex, your church will never see the touch of the drippings of the glory of God. I heard my mother say, I don't like those pants they're wearing. I wish they'd put on shoes when they come in here. I don't like them sitting in the floor cross-legged, but she said, God's at work, so let them come. And when Miss Jean said, let them come, the church let them come. Oh, church, we must be God intoxicated. What did they say about them in Acts? They're drunk on new wine. It's not even, no, no. They weren't drunk on wine. They were drunk on new wine. They were filled with the Holy Ghost of God. They, they were fearing God. That's what we need in our life today. Fear God, fear God, fear God. But secondly, the Koheleth says, not only to fear God, he says obey God. Notice in verse 13, the conclusion of this, when everything is heard is this, fear God, and secondly, keep his commandments. Obey God, obey God. Let me give you two great passages about the obedience of God. First of all, over in the book of Joshua, Joshua, you find it in chapter 22 and verse number 5. In Joshua 22 and verse number 5, you remember when they came in, getting ready to go into the promised land, two and one half of the tribe stayed east of the Jordan and everybody else went across the Jordan. But the two and a half tribes that stayed back, Joshua said to them, you can stay, but only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God and walk in all his ways and keep his commandments and hold fast to him and serve him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Just because you're not going to cross the river into the promised land does not mean you do not obey God where you camp. obey God. And then, of course, the great obedience passage is in Matthew's gospel, chapter 22, verse 36, one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him, teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? You know this text. And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with, with all your mind, and this is the great and foremost commandment, and the second one is likened to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, or on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Obedience. I want to ask you this morning, church, for those that are online with us today, for those sitting on the Warrington campus today, I want to ask you these two things. When it comes to obeying God, first of all, which step of obedience is it you have not taken? that you must take. Which step to obey God have you not taken? You need to take it before this year is over. Have you taken the step of salvation? If you've never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, come. I had a gentleman at early Christmas Eve service came to me. I've been praying for him. He told me that God had touched his heart. He grabbed me and hugged my neck. I'm going to see him this week. Amen. We're praying God does a great work. In How about you? Are you saved today? Do you know the Lord on that Warrington campus or sitting at home on this Pensacola? Do you know him? Have you taken the step of salvation? If not, take it today. Come see me when we sing in a moment. 
Secondly, if you've taken the step of baptism, you saw these two baptized. Have you ever been baptized? Have you come? Have you taken that? Have you been obedient to what God's called you to do? Have you been immersed? Have you taken the step of membership? Some of you are hanging around here and never joined the church. I had a young couple I've been working on. Met her at the funeral home of all places. She said, we've been coming to the church. I said, wonderful. You've joined us. She said, no, we've been thinking about it. Uh, I kept on and on. I told, and over uh, last Sunday, while I was away, they went to a next step table and they sent me a note and said, Pastor, we did it today. I said, amen. They took a step of obedience. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. It's the call of obedience. Are you tithing your income? You giving a tenth unto the Lord? I, there are a lot of preachers today say you don't have to tithe. You just give as God tells you. Let me tell you this. I, I'd be fine with that. He said tithing's Old Testament. God will never ask you to do less under grace than he said do under law. I would, he'd just ask me to give a tenth. It'd be cheaper. But God blesses and he calls us. So, oh, a great place to begin is with a tenth of your income. Are you giving unto the Lord? Do you know we have had the greatest year? I don't know what you're going to give today. We're going to take the offering here in a few minutes. We have had the greatest year in the history of Olive Baptist Church. I mean, by far, the greatest year that we've ever had financially. With less people in the pew, there's been more money in the bucket. Thank you online for giving. Thank you at Warrington. Thank you, those at home. Thank you in the pew. But still, only about a quarter of the church give a tenth. I tell you, if this next year, Everybody at Olive Baptist Church tithes for a full year. We'd have to pray and fast for a month to figure out what to do with the money. It would be remarkable. I challenge you. Are you tithing? Are you, are you not just fearing God but obeying God? Are you serving? Are you serving? Are you somewhere? Are you preaching? God's called some preachers in this place. You're a young man. God says, you, you're to go. A young lady to the missionville. A young lady in service here. A, a young man. God's got, are, are you obedient to God? I'm telling you, one of the great marks of the Jesus movement was the obedience to God. There were five preachers on my high school football team. I think I told you a while back, they asked me to do a video for my high school uh, football teams. They went into the playoffs. I still have, 50 years old, I still have my high school football jersey. I put it on. I had to hold my breath, but I put it on. <laughs> I had stuff bubbling out in places I didn't even know I had. I took a deep breath. I said, it ain't going to take long to say this. <laughs> Listen, I kind of stretched it out, and we, I got in there. There were five of us. I still have. I show it to you. Come to my house sometime. I've, I've got that old, uh, in a scrapbook, from pigskin to pulpit. They wrote an article in a local paper about the five preachers on our high school football team. Amen. Are you serving? Have you taken the step to obey where God wants you to serve? Some of you need to be teaching young people. Some of you need to be serving. Some of you need to be teaching a class. Some of you need to pick up some of these young men, and uh, they cry out for mentoring. Have you taken the steps God's called you to take? But secondly, not only am I asking if you've taken the step God's asked you to take, which person have you not reconciled with God's called you to be reconciled to? 
For you see, he didn't say just love me with all, my, with all your heart, my soul. But he said then love your neighbor as yourself. Which one of you have got a mate? You're in this room today. You've got a mate and you're not talking. You're, you're on the outs. Repent. Repent. Wash your feet. Wash his feet. Make that family whole again. Love your neighbor as yourself. How about your co-worker? Some of you got a co-worker you had not been speaking to? You're mad at them? When are you going to take the step of making it right? Some of you got a friend. You used to walk together, but now there's been a division. You need to say, I'm wrong, or forgive me. Some of you remember happy days, the fawns. That's all those people were standing a while ago. You remember the fawns. He could not say the word. Anytime it came for him to say, I'm, I'm, he couldn't say, I'm wrong. I often said, the Baptist is a fawn, the fawns is a Baptist. Go make it right. You say, Pastor, they won't talk to me. Let me tell you, you go wash your feet. You just go tell them. Then it's on them. You, you make it right. Some of you got an enemy. Oh, that you would love your enemies. Love on them. Love on them. Our church campus is stretched out during these years, and some of these parcels that, that we have purchased have not always been from friendly people. Some of them were not friends. I buried Nancy Wilson just a few days ago. It was seven years ago we buried Brother Dennis, and Brother Dennis worked for us in the ministry village, and there's a couple of parcels of ground that if we would not have today were it not for him, he came in one day, and one of those ladies that we were trying to buy the house just cussed him out. He told me the words. I couldn't share them in the pulpit. shouldn't say them anywhere. He said, Pastor, I said, just keep loving her, Big D. And he did. And when death came, that property fell in our lap. Why? Because he loved his enemy. Fear God. Obey God. I want to challenge you as you get ready for the new year. Read this book. I have decided that Ecclesiastes is going to be my book for 2022. The Kohelet, the preacher. I'm going to read Ecclesiastes over and over and until I really understand it. I'm going to read Ecclesiastes. There's some stuff in there. And while this text tells us in Ecclesiastes that, you know, the writing of books is many and, and it will wear you out. So many books. Oh, there's so many books. But there are some good books you ought to read. Have I got any college kids that got up and came to church this morning? Any college kids? Oh, yeah, they're here all around. You should not, if you're saved, you should not be allowed to graduate from college till you've read this book. This is the Bible. This book is over 400 years old. I mean, not this copy, but what's in here. It's by John Bunyan. It's called The Pilgrim's Progress. I'm telling you, everybody in here ought to read this book this year. I had a friend that challenged me a few years ago, and I read it most every year, and I'm about to start again in January, reading The Pilgrim's Progress. 
You can get you a copy. I challenge you to get a copy. I want you to hear the first paragraph of the Pilgrim's Progress from John Bunyan. You know, Bunyan was in jail 12 years. If he hadn't been put in jail, we wouldn't have this book. He was so busy as a pastor doing his work, he couldn't write. But when they put him in jail for 12 years, he had time to write. They put him in jail for preaching the gospel. God may slow us down enough that we do some things that we ought to be about. Here's what Bunyan said. As I walked through the wilderness of this world, I came to a certain place where there was a den, and I laid down to sleep there. And as I slept, I dreamed a dream. I dreamed, and I saw a man clothed with rags standing there, faced away from his own house, a book in his hand, and a great burden upon his back. I looked, and I saw him open the book and read. And as he read, he wept, and he trembled, not being able longer to contain it. He broke out with a lamentable cry, saying, What shall I do? And Bunyan tells his story as a pilgrim, just a passing through. What is it that you are to do that you're not doing? Saved? Baptized? Obedient? Preach? teach, serve, type. And who is it you've not been reconciled to that God is calling you to be reconciled to? This morning, as Brother John comes to sing, I'm going to give the invitation. And I've asked the deacons who pray with me on Sunday morning, those that are on call, to come and lead the way of dedicating this altar to the Lord for the coming year. And I see that our deacon chairman for this year is here, and I'll ask him to come with them. And our deacon chairman for the year ahead is here, and I'll ask them to come with them. If you would, all I want you men to do is come lead the way with a couple on this side and a couple over here and just pray over the altar. And I'm going to stand here and John's going to sing. Some of you others may want to come join them and bring the name of a person unto the Lord. You need to pray over. You feel free to be a part of that. And we will just dedicate this altar for the... I'm praying that God give us a great revival of souls this coming year. Amen? Oh, it'd be good. We just pray that this place will be full. If you're here today and need Jesus, I invite you to come. If you're here and need to join Olive Church, you come. If you're here and just have a burden you need to lay down, you come bring it right here to the altar today. Fear God. Obey God. And he stands with his arms outstretched saying, come unto me and I will welcome you.